in the heart of Africa. There is a place known as the land of a thousand hills, lush and green, a land of great vibrancy, full of life, red fertile soil that supports some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see. And yet, like all places in the world where we find tremendous beauty, we also find brokenness, orphaned and vulnerable children with no memory of parents, unseen by society without the assurance of a meal, the security of shelter or the dignity of work. But in the gap we find between God's beauty and our brokenness, we believe that God can build a bridge, that grace received and grace shared can turn mourning into dancing, great grief into immeasurable joy, bondage and brokenness, into hope restored and hope renewed. And so today, you are invited on a journey to Rwanda, as together we remember the central affirmation God's story is a story of grace. And this is the last week of a story of grace, at least a message series anyway, as we look at our connection with Rwanda, Zoe Ministry Giving Hope program there. You see the opening video that speaks to some of that. Uh, thousands of orphans that we've adopted there and their lives have been changed. And here's a theme for uh, today, uh, for what you just saw, the Zoe Ministry Rwanda partnership and Palm Sunday. Uh, and that is that, that Jesus is drawn to where grace is needed. I need you to hear that today. That's a theme for the message, really, this entire week, moving up to Easter and the resurrection celebration we'll have next weekend. Jesus is drawn to where grace is needed. And so you see on Palm Sunday, that's exactly what happens. It's a dangerous time, really, for him. There have been uh, certainly threats against him, possibility maybe of death coming. He knew that already, going into Jerusalem. But he's drawn there. We know about the, by what he did when he was in the city for that week. We know that Jesus continued to work miracles. He healed the sick. He continued to teach the things of the kingdom of God. Love God and love your neighbor. Here's the way life can be if you accept the love God has for you. He did that. He confronted evil. In many cases, it was religious evil, but that's what he did. And he condemned that when he came against it. That was what he did. Uh, he had the Holy Thursday night where he shared the Last Supper with his disciples, moved to the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed. From there he was arrested and crucified, and following that he was raised from the dead. That's a story of Christ drawn to where grace is needed. It's exactly what you saw in the opening video there, Rwanda. This church a long time ago began really examining what we're about as a church family. Certainly around our own faith, need of God, God's mercy given to us, God's grace in our own lives, we celebrate that every time we come to church, every time we bow, pray, worship, give, serve, all the way, many ways we connect to God, we do exactly that. We, we connect with God's grace. But we thought, you know, where is God's grace needed in our world? And our task is to share that with others. Jesus told his disciples, as God has sent me to you, so I send you into your world. And then he gave the command to go make disciples of all the world. And so they went. And they shared and they gave. And so we've been led to prisons. We do that now. Twice a year, sometimes more than that, we connect with prison ministry. We're drawn to Rwanda and the great ministry there, Zimbabwe as well. And I could name many other places also, even in our own community. But I want you to understand, this is where, this is where grace is needed. This is where God says, go. So that's what we do. 
Now, how do you and I personally connect with that, and how does the story of Thomas connect with that? Heard the scriptures read, Thomas' story is like this. He was one of the 12 disciples. He was with Jesus for three years, as all 12 were. He saw all the same miracles, heard the same teaching, saw Jesus walk on the water, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. He knew Jesus well. He'd heard Jesus say many times, I'm going to die. I'm going to be taken into the, put in the hands of sinful men who will crucify me and I will rise on the third day. So it wasn't new that he'd said this. He'd said it many times to them. He'd heard those words. But since then, Jesus had actually had been crucified and placed in, in a grave, in a tomb. Now, at this point in the story, uh, Christ had been raised. Many of the disciples had already seen him, and they were telling everyone, we saw Jesus alive. Many had seen him and were saying the same thing, but Thomas had not seen him yet. And so Thomas was there with them in a room. They were still hiding for fear of the Jews in the city, that death might come to them as well. And Thomas says these words to his friends, I'm not going to believe until I see him. I'm not going to believe until I, until I put my hand in the, in the nail print in his hand and put my hand in the thorn print, I mean, in, in the spear print in his side. Then I'll believe. And so when Jesus comes upon him there in that room, we're told he appeared there among them. The doors were locked. He appeared in their midst. And there he singles out Thomas. Hear the word now, please. That, that he saw this doubt needed his grace. That, that this need of grace, that the world he was drawn to, drew him to doubt, just as it drew Jesus into the city, into the sick, hurting, and poor. He was drawn to doubt just as much. So Thomas's doubt drew Jesus to him to bring grace at that moment. You might think that he would say, I told you this was going to happen. Don't you remember? No, he didn't do that. He could have accused him of being a failure, a loser. He could have said that. He could have pointed out his doubt. What a sorry person you are. He could have done, he could have condemned him, judged him, rejected him. But no, here's what he says. He says, here I am. Put your hand right here. Put your hand right here. And when that happens, Thomas falls on his knees and says, my Lord and my God. The grace, the, the need of grace drew Jesus to Thomas. And that doubt was a proclamation of, I need your grace. And I love that part of the story. Because all of us deal with all kinds of issues. Sometimes for us it is, I'm sick. Sometimes it is, I've fallen into sin. Sometimes it's an addiction. Sometimes it's, I hurt or someone hurt, I hurt. Some. There are many things that can be. But in this case, it was just plain old doubt. I doubt, I'm not sure. I'm wondering about this. I'm not sure I can believe. I'm not sure I do believe. I need more. And Thomas was doing all that, and that drew Jesus directly to him because that's where grace was needed. Grace was needed at the point of Thomas's doubt. Do you have any doubts? Any doubts in your life about God, about faith, about Jesus, about Christian faith, about yourself? Any doubts? Yes, all of us do. Some doubts are very small. Some doubts are very large. Some doubts we identify. Some doubts we don't. We're all in a place of doubt, and in that place of doubt, Grace comes to you and me. Thank you, God, for, the, for that, for that blessing, for that message given here so beautifully. The end of the story, though, is again Thomas saying, I believe, my Lord and my God. I'm going to make a comment. For, I'm going to read Romans 15, 13 to make a comment about that. 
These words are from the book, uh, from the Message Bible, and it goes like this. Oh, may the God of hope fill you with joy, fill you with peace, so that your believing lives, filled up with life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit, and will brim over with hope, your believing life, your life formed and shaped by your belief in me, trust in me that I am your Lord, I am your God. And here's the question from that, the comment question. What would we do with our lives? What would change? How would we live if we really believed that Jesus was my Lord and my God? My Lord and God. What would change? How would we live if we really believe that Jesus is the Lord and God, our Lord and God? It's always interesting to me, the surveys say that the, by far the majority of Americans say they believe in Jesus. Uh, 83% say they believe in Jesus. Not only that he is, was existed, but they say that he is God. They believe that. I'm not sure 83% really believe. Because our lives would change. Our lives would be different. Our lives would have a different focus. Because we are drawn to, to, the, to, to the place that needs grace as God comes to us because we need grace. You know, uh, what would we do? If you're like me when you were a kid, you had to learn how to dive into a pool or a pond or a lake somewhere in your life. Something you learn. You're not born innately able to do that. Everything in your mind says, no way am I going to go headfirst into water. It's against, really, human nature to do that. You have to learn how to do that. And how do you learn? How do I learn? How did I learn? Well, I learned this way. Going to the edge of the pool, and there's my dad down in the water, and he says something really strange to me like, jump. You know, that's what they say. Dive in head first. You're, this is my dad here. You know, I guess, he's, I guess this is something I should be doing. It's important that I do. But you're wondering, is he, does he know what he's talking about? But, but you, they, he, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, be, I'll catch you. If you didn't do it, maybe you helped a child do the same thing. Maybe one of your children, one of your grandchildren, to be able to learn to dive into the pool. And, and you keep waiting for that, that, that courage to come and say, okay, I'm going to take a risk here, and I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust my father, mother, whoever it might be for you. Uh, and so I think that Jesus is saying something like that to, to, to Thomas. Because I think Thomas knew something about this journey. He knew what it meant to say, I really believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Everything would change if he really believed that. He knew he would have to change. His life would never be the same. His future would have to be defined by not only the risk Christ took for him, but what that would mean, what he would do next. He knew everything would be different if he really believed. Because I can't just, you know, think about it. I have to really believe it. So when I'm going to say I believe it, I'm going to really believe it. I'm going to know it for sure because I know it's going to change my life. And, of course, in a very real way, what happens there is Thomas takes the dive. My Lord and my God. Nothing would ever be the same for Thomas. The rest of his life, he would have to be drawn to where grace is needed. Just like he needed grace that day in his doubt, and Jesus came to him. And the crux is saying, I believe. I believe. What does it mean? It means a confession. I confess what I believe. I think what we believe forms and shapes our lives. We believe in all kinds of things that forms and shape what we do every day. Forms and shapes our decisions and our choices. Does our belief in God do that and even more? It's a conviction. 
I am convicted this is true. The truth that shapes my life is not this, this, and this. It's that I have a God who loves me, who came to me at the point of my greatest need, might, might be doubt or illness or sin, and, and forgave me and, and healed me or gave me faith and belief. And that helps shape my own future and what I do next, the choices I make, how I give, worship, serve, love, where I take grace that I got from God. It's a commitment to God, a commitment that we make. Because when he says, I believe, he's making a commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ like he'd never been before. Nothing was ever going to be the same because of that commitment. We come to church on Palm Sunday. We're marking that time that God went to where grace was needed. His son, Jesus Christ, went into that city. And how we're called upon to do the same thing. A change in the world. The book of Romans says we are to be transformed and not conformed to the world we live in. And how we live that new way that would change life, that would guide our life, that would lead us into a new life around what we believe and who we love, God. And defines who we become, God's children. And what we do, again, where grace is needed, which is where we've been taken. Sometimes grace is needed simply in your home or your family or your marriage. Other times it's your workplace, your community. And it can be as exotic as Rwanda or a prison, but it's all the same grace. And that's how life is led by those who say, thank you for coming to me in my doubt yesterday or last week or last year or a lifetime ago or maybe even now. He comes to us with his good news in Christ. The children with palm branches, the cross on the altar, our proclamation of faith, the songs that we have sung the times that we have bowed together. So what we're doing today is answering questions. What would we change if we really, what would we do, how would we live if we knew and said, you're my Lord and my God? And the first question in response to the, that question is, would we live by our full capacity to love? A love as big as knowing what dying for someone really means? I want to leave those words up there for a while because I want you to think about them with me. Certainly Jesus knew what that meant. He knew what love really meant. We know that because he went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday knowing he would, pray he would die at the end of that week. He didn't wonder about it. He knew he would. This is the time I will give my life up for the sins of the world. My love, my, the call I hear says I must go and I will give my life. He'd already told them that was going to come. So he heads into that knowing exactly what love was going to lead him to do. Do we know that? One of my favorite uh, historical characters is a guy named Eric Liddell or Eric Little. Uh, Eric Liddell, you might remember, or some of you, was in the was a, a, actually a character in the movies, a historical character in the movie, in the movie Chariots of Fire. Eric Liddell was a sprinter in the early 20s, and he ran in the Olympics. Uh, he was from Scotland and grew up as a missionary child in China, but spent his formative years later on in school there in Scotland. And he was a very, very fast sprinter, and he qualified for the Olympics in 1924. Now, when he got there, and this is heading up going into it, became aware that there were two races he qualified for that were going to be on the Sabbath. One was the 100-meter dash. The other was a 4x400, where he was going to be an anchor on that, on that relay team. He refused to run because it's on the Sabbath. He said, I, I'm not going to run on the Sabbath. I, I worship on the Sabbath. I rest on the Sabbath. This is my commitment to God. This is what I'm going to do. Now, of course, everybody around said, you're crazy. They tried to talk him out of it. His coaches did. His teammates did. Every, but no, no, I made this commitment. I'm going to keep it. And he wouldn't do it. So they put him in the 400-meter uh, run, which where he run, won a gold medal, 1924 Olympics. 
Now, after that, 1925, he went to China, where he returned to be a missionary there in some of the poorest areas in those years of the nation of China. Share Christ, faith, hope, and help in all kinds of ways in that part of the world. He spent the next 20 years there in China. Now, you might remember or might historically have read about uh, 1940, uh, 41, where he was invaded by the Japanese, and uh, they took over there that he was. Most of the missionaries left China before that took place, knowing it was going to come. And so he was one of the few who remained there in China for the people that he served there, where grace called him, where Christ called him, where the need of grace said, this is where you have to go. So he stayed there, found himself in a prisoner of war camp uh, there, headed by the Japanese in World War II, where he died in 1945, five days before the, the camp was liberated. He gave his life there in that place. There were two men who wrote, wrote their memoirs about their experiences with Eric Liddell. There are many things they said, all remarkable stories, but one is, I said, I'm going to quote what they said, what they said, the finest Christian gentleman it's been my pleasure to meet. Another said, if there ever was a saint, he was a saint. As he served there, even grace is needed here too. That's why I'm here. Here in this camp, this word grace, he didn't, we might not verbalize it that way, but this is what he did. Now, I want you to think about, would we, would we live by our full capacity to love, a love as big as knowing what dying for someone means, if we said, I believe that you are my God, that you are my Lord Jesus, would it change how our love is defined, how we understand giving and serving and blessing others, how we feel and hear the call where grace is needed somewhere that moves us to that place? Again, very small places sometimes, I forgive you. Very big places sometime on a Rwanda mission trip. Very small places serving a neighbor, someone we see in church who simply needs someone to say hi, or on the other side, some broader spectrum of life and service in the workplace, which is called to every day for you and me. We live by our full capacity to love, a love as big as knowing what dying for someone means, because Jesus knew what it meant to love that much. Do we know what loving that much means in our life and where it would lead us in our life? Second question in regard to the very first thing I brought up to you today. Would we avoid risk and sacrifices or embrace a life grace demands? Would we avoid risk and sacrifices or embrace a life that grace demands? I gave the analogy of the diving thing and getting jumping into the water in that way as a child. But we naturally avoid risk and sacrifices. This is human nature to do that. Uh, we like to make things safe as we possibly can. And we don't, have to, we don't have to sacrifice. We're happy to not sacrifice. Uh, and someone who says that you are my Lord and my God, that goes way out the window, completely gone. It's not there anymore. But now we find that life is defined by risks and sacrifices because where grace is needed, it's always a risky place to go. It always requires sacrifice. Just like we know and recognize that the grace God gives us required his death on the cross. His blood shed for us to forgive us of sin. His promise to come to be with us after that death in the resurrection. That the Spirit who comes, as John 14 tells us, to be with us every minute, every hour, every day. Would we? And I'm going to show you a video now. I'm going to kind of give you a, a background for that. It's another video in Rwanda toward the end of the trip of our team who went there early, earlier this year. Uh, and it's a, what's called a housewarming Rwandan style. And it's the Zoe Ministry Giving Hope Orphans who are all doing this together. Now, as you watch it, and I give an overview on it, I want you to think Palm Sunday, uh, where grace was needed in Jerusalem 
the nation of Israel, and the world. And so Jesus entered that city. The shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, the palm branches being thrown on the ground along with the, 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 the cloaks of, the, of those who were around and moving into the city. And what he did, he taught. Uh, he, he, he gave. He worked miracles. And, of course, he also confronted injustice that was in that community. And there was much of that. And I want you to see the video now if we can show it as I talk about it. And it began uh, by saying simply that where the house is being built, this is quite a view. This would cost, a, this would be a million-dollar view, by the way, in this country. But there, it's everywhere you look. It looks like that. And there are the hills. And there they are beginning to make the house. You might notice uh, the bricks, the bricks, bricks. Pastor David Alexander carrying a brick. Probably the only brick he carried, but that's the one he carried to help them with that. Uh, and there's the bricks. These are made out of mud. They're right, that, right where the house is. They take it from, a, from the, the dirt right where the house is being built. There are some gifts being brought to them, some, some plants. Uh, and again, it's a housewarming kind of time. There's what the house looks like. Uh, we purchased the roof and some of the wood materials. Uh, there'll be a door that'll be put on that house as well. That's where uh, we're going to see in a minute the, the three orphans who live there. These are some of the items that they received. Those baskets there, very exotic baskets to be made, probably have food in them. And there is the three orphans, the older orphan taking care of younger orphans in this Zoe ministry community that's been created. And there, that community is celebrating in a housewarming what's done. Can you hear them say, Hosanna, Hosanna uh, to God? Can you hear it? Praise, can you hear it? They're not saying exactly those words. That's what's happening. It's the same as Palm Sunday, only it's in Rwanda. It's we're having it here. There's some of the gifts that are being brought in to them to help them, assist them, the, the fruits and the vegetables and this housewarming time. It's really a cool thing to see. And no, we're a part of that. We're all a part of what you're seeing right there. Uh, as, as we saw a place where grace is needed, and there we went. And there you see the result of that grace uh, and, 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 the, and this housewarming and this partnership and this new family community being created and this celebration time in the home for this, uh, this uh, Zoe ministry orphan with, her, with two other orphans she's taking care of. And that's how they do it there. Older orphans take care of younger orphans. And they'll have older adults, uh, social workers there. They'll, each team has a mother. They select who's usually in her 40s or 50s who takes care of all of them, teaches them how to take care of themselves, that kind of thing, like, like everybody needs a mother to do that for them. So there you see that video. Uh, and I want, I want you to know why that happened. It happened because of Palm Sunday, that Jesus saw grace was needed in this world, and he entered Jerusalem knowing he would die there. And if that had not happened, what you saw there would never have happened. Because Thomas believed. Because grace came to Thomas. He needed it. His doubt required it. And Jesus came to him in that moment of doubt. And belief was a response. My Lord and my God. Because he believed. And because we believe. Because we believe. God, we believe in you. We hope in you. We trust you. We, trust. we turn our hearts towards you. At all different kind of levels, I know that. But somehow the common denominator is world needs grace, we need grace, and it's defined by Jesus Christ crucified. Now the world has changed because of it. Remarkable part of our story and our grace and the grace of God. Well, the final question would be, if we, if we really believe that God is our Lord and our God, that Jesus is our Lord and our God, would we, would we live by giving into doubt or stepping into faith? We live by giving into doubt are stepping into faith. Please leave the words up there for a while if you would. Uh, I think what that means, and I, you know, I coined those words, so I hope I know what I wanted to say to you today about that one. Uh, there's always a reason not to. There's always a reason not to. There's always a reason not to give grace. 
There's always a reason to, to, to not give, to not serve, to not love, to not forgive, to not bless, to not help. There's always a reason not to. It's always in our life. We can always find it if we choose. In a very critical world, critical of everything, there's always a criticism that says, well, there's a way out of this for me. I won't have to. I don't need to. It won't be up to me. I'll let somebody else worry about that. Or, or, or. There's always that for us. It's always there if we want to look for it. We want to look for the doubts in our life. They're always available for every human being. They're always there. We can always find them. When we want to look for faith, faith is there too. You know, Jesus said, faith, the, grain of a, the size of the grain of a mustard seed. Faith we're supposed to have. And that might be for some of us, you know, I think there's a God. If that's all I believe, that will change my life. But if I believe that Jesus is who he said he was, my life has changed even more dramatically. Because in receiving what he gives me and his love and his grace and his mercy, I'm going to have to give that away in my life and how I live. It's going to change my choices, shape my life, form and shape who I become and what I do in my commitments, my conviction, and my confession in my life of faith. Think about what that means for all of us as we come together on this beautiful Palm Sunday. And think what Jesus did so long ago. He looked down into a city, because there uh, you can come down from the Mount of Olives, just outside the city of Jerusalem, where surely Jesus spent time. We know he was there at the Garden of Gethsemane, and, he, and, and it's where the front gates are into the old city of Jerusalem. So you can see the city. You can imagine him sitting out there with his followers, and they're trying, this, this is part of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John story, they're trying to say, Jesus, don't go down there because it's dangerous for you. We know that there are threats to your life if you go into Jerusalem. The Pharisees and Sadducees are mad, angry at you. Uh, they want to end your life and your influence in Israel, especially in Jerusalem. So they tried to tell him that. Jesus said, no, I must go. Because he could hear the need for grace calling him to go into that city. And so he went to the, into, the, into that city. So the first things he did was he immediately began teaching people about the love and grace and mercy of God. The kingdom of God as he understood it. Loving God and loving neighbor. Here are the commandments. Here's the beatitudes of love and grace and mercy that we, that we live by. And he taught these things. He immediately began to, as he came to people, heal them when they were sick or hurting or broken in various ways. Whoever, it didn't matter who they were. That's all the people that were there. Very crowded city because of Passover week. And he goes to the temple and there he, he fights the money changers and says, you need to get out of here. This is a house of prayer, not what you've made it to be. Continually, uh, he, he always, almost always uh, condemned religious hypocrisies he did there that day. And that's what he did. He moved toward the week, uh, toward Holy Week on Thursday night. We're there. He shared the Last Supper with his followers. Uh, there from that time he went to Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed. After that time of prayer, he was taken to the cross, a trial, and then crucified. Uh, and then, of course, in the tomb for three days, and then resurrection happened. That's where you and I are right now. We are entering Jerusalem with Jesus. Rwanda, prison ministry, church and worship together, and the way we live, serve, and love God in, in multiple ways in our lives. We're doing exactly the same thing with him. Hopefully join us on Thursday night at 7 o'clock where we share together in a, a Holy Week communion here. Uh, Monday, Thursday, sometimes it's called. Holy Friday, it's often called. And we'll be here with all our pastors serving the sacrament for you. You can come anytime during that period of time. Your bulletin explains it. Uh, we're going to serve it as you arrive. In other words, there's not a set time for service. We'll be here. 
there'll be uh, an order for you to follow through, to, to worship, to read, to contemplate, to sit and spend time with God as you are led to do, however long you want that to be for you, some five minutes, some may be the entire hour. We don't know. You'll be invited to come to the altar as you arrive, whenever you choose to, for communion. Be, Pastor Caesar will serve you, or I'll serve you, or Pastor David, or Pastor Sherrod, Pastor Tina, or Pastor Johnny will all be in one of the locations here for you to receive that sacrament with Jesus, sharing in this time with him. It's very personal where grace is needed. I need grace. You need to give grace. Then we have Good Friday, sometimes called Black Friday, uh, at 7 o'clock, where we'll have an entire worship service called a tenebrae service. You need to know what that means. You may, may not, doesn't matter. You'll come and you'll appreciate that time of being in God's presence. Very unique way. That's the night he was crucified. We think about what it means to really love that deeply, that fully. He shows us what grace really is. What would life be like if we knew that, that love required, that love was that, that we know what giving one's life for someone else really means? That's Friday. Then we move into Easter, how special that's going to be. Uh, we're going to have a number of services. Uh, we're going to be certainly at the Performing Arts Center uh, in M M Mansell ISD on Debbie Lane uh, for three services. Saturday night at 6 we'll be there. And Sunday morning at 9 and 11. Saturday and Sunday at 9 will be con more contemporary kind of services. Uh, 11 o'clock, more traditional with choir and orchestra in those services. And you're invited to come to any of those that you'd like to attend. If not, you can come more than once if you want to. We're having 8.15 in our sanctuary, as we always have. The early service will be here uh, for Easter. The sunrise service at 7. It's going to be at Town Park. Pastor Caesar's going to be preaching that service. So we look forward to that. Uh, just down the road behind the post office, probably about three blocks from here. We'll know where that is. Not very difficult to find. Then we'll have Sunday night worship in our chapel at 6 o'clock. I mean, sorry, at 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock. Where we're simply walking with Jesus through what grace is about. Embracing that. Believing in that. Committing to live by that. And that's our journey this week. Now, be aware we love to offer that grace to others uh, through hospitality uh, in that week. So we'd love to have uh, many of you help volunteer uh, to be one of our ushers or greeters or welcome people, hospitality people during that week, especially at the Performing Arts Center. Lots of doors in, lots of doors out, very complex place to be able to provide uh, hospitality well. In fact, our pastors all do that. I love, look forward to doing that through that week, being part of that. If you'd like to help, when you leave today, go to the atrium in this building, and there you can simply sign your name and email address or your phone number. You can, you can pick a service or simply any service. And if you choose to come with your family at one and agree to the other, that's fine. It's a way to simply extend the hospitality, hospitality to our community. Three years ago, we've been going to the MISD Center for Performing Arts. We wanted to be more open to our entire community, offering grace to everyone and anyone. Plenty of parking, plenty of room, and also kind of an off-site place for people just to come and be comfortable and relax, especially maybe unchurched people who might enjoy that more or, or, or be more comfortable there. So we're doing that again for the third year's grown each year. And that's our way of simply going into Jerusalem, going into Rwanda, going into prisons, going into our area, uh, going where grace is needed as God's come to us in our doubt and our illness and our sin when we need and need grace. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you today for sending your Son into our world that he chose to go into Jerusalem and not go somewhere else that day. God, our life depended upon his choice made that day for, you, for each one of us, and we're grateful, God. Thank you for the entire week of his ministry, his work, his life, and then his death, and then God's resurrection. We're so grateful, God, that when we needed grace, you've come to us in our doubts, 
and our sin and our sicknesses and our brokenness. If not in life in the past, God, come into our life today, right now, and heal that disease and forgive that sin and change our heart and life and take doubt and replace it with faith. Make it so, God, we ask in Jesus' name. Lord, hear our prayer. We might others might receive as well. May you bless these services coming up on Easter weekend and Holy Week. May many come to know you who may not know you yet. How much you love them as we celebrate how much you love us. And God, may this church somehow day by day know what it means more and more to go where grace is needed as you come here knowing grace is needed here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.